Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. I'm Bill. If we haven't met, I'm really, really glad to be here with you this morning. And um, hey, we're in the Thrive Series. This is what it looks like to thrive in different areas of your life. When it comes to personal health, all right, it's taking care of my mind, taking care of my body, because God cares for me. All right, so it starts with him, and and I just kind of respond to that, okay? Here's what it looks like to thrive in relationships. It is shining as a light for Jesus Christ in all of my relationships. That's, that's what it means to thrive. When it comes to money, all right, it is, it is saving my money. It is spending my money on good things. It is giving, right, it's good to give, right? Giving my money away for good reasons and in good ways. That's what it means to thrive, helping, helping people with that money that God has provided me. All right, thriving is, is, is all about honoring Jesus. It's all about him. It's, it's honoring him and everything he's given me, right? Different areas of life, different things that he's given me, different, different opportunities, honoring him with that and then following Jesus into deeper and fuller relationship. God's desire for each one of us is straight out of John 10, 10, is that we might have life to the full. Think this, thrive. That's God's desire for us. And that's a big reason why Jesus came, lived, died, was buried, and then three days later rose from the grave. It's a big reason why I did it. So we could thrive in all areas of life, even at work. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is how can we thrive at work? How can we thrive in school as a student, even if you're a young lad or, or someone who's like an adult going back to school and, and just getting an education in that way, okay? Like, like how can you thrive as an employee? How can you thrive as a student? How can you thrive as a volunteer, right? You're not even getting like monetary payment, right? How can you thrive as a player on some kind of team or in some kind of club? All of this applies today because those things, man, they can be hard if we're honest. Work can be really hard, whatever the context is, but thriving is important. Thriving matters. So as we get into God's word in just a minute or two, it's important that we put two questions. I just want to put two questions or two things on our radars as we spend a little bit of time here, okay? The first thing is this. Ask yourself, as we're going through in the next few minutes, just ask yourself, what is God showing me today? All right, what is God showing me? And then the second question is this, how am I going to respond? How is the Holy Spirit leading me to respond? Because it's not all about just taking God's truth in, which is good and necessary, by the way. But God's desire is not that it would stop or terminate there, right? He, he, he gives to us that we might receive, you bet, but also so that we might respond to him. So how is the Holy Spirit leading us to respond as well? So just kind of let those kind of you know, tumble in your mind in a really good, healthy way today. And, and maybe we'll even have some solid answers by God's grace um, at the end of our time together, all right? But, but before we go any further, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. It is a gift you did not have to give us today, Lord. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God, again, it is grace You gave us today because you're good and because you're good to us. So God, we just pause as a church this morning, those of us in person, those of us online, our entire Fox River community, we just just say thank you. God, I pray that these 
precious minutes that you have carved out for us today, out of all eternity, these few minutes, Lord, I pray, God, that we would hear from you. And I pray that we would understand what you're trying to tell us. It's so frustrating when we hear from you, but we don't really get the message. Like, it's just like, I don't know what's going on. So, Father, I pray that you would cut through that. Help us to hear and understand. And then, by your grace, Lord, that we might respond, that we might choose to walk by faith because of the good news and the truth that we've heard from you today. God, I pray that we would leave here, each one of us, a changed person. I pray that we would leave here a changed people, a changed church after having spent time with each other and also with you. And God, inside of all those little sub prayers we just prayed, but, but certainly overarching over the entire prayer, our desire is this, one that you've given us, Lord, that you would be glorified. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so, hey, let's turn to Ephesians chapter six. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter six in your Bibles if you got that, or on your digital device of choice as we get into Ephesians chapter 6. Man, what's going on here? Okay, Ephesians chapter 6 was a letter, still is a letter, but it was written about 30 years after Jesus Christ died and then rose from the grave. Okay, it's 30 years after that. It's written by a guy named Paul. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's really, really special. God only chose, we can debate on the number, but, but, but God only chose about 12 of these guys to help start the church and, and have authority in the church and get things rolling near the very beginning, right, in a really special way. So Paul is super, super special in that way, not because he's an all-star, but because God has chosen him, okay? So Paul is writing this letter to the church in a city called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, all right? Paul is writing to this church for a bunch of reasons, but, but he started this church. He helped to start this church, and he actually pastored this church for a few years, so when Paul's writing this letter that we're going to get into in just a second, he's writing to people that he knows. He's writing to men who are husbands and fathers. He's writing to women who are wives and mothers. He's writing to kids, all right, young kids, adolescents, even grown children, all right. He's writing to slaves at the time. He's writing to employees. Um, he's, he's writing to everybody so that in every situation they might, listen, thrive, when they follow Jesus. And just to set the record straight, because the very first word we're gonna read is a trigger word, all right? It's slaves. So I don't want us to get derailed, because we could, right? Let's not get derailed. So let's just dive into that word and let's just kind of discuss that. That way we can, we can have peace with that word and then actually hear from, from God what he's trying to tell us, okay? So, so here's what we need to know. God is all about freedom. God is not an advocate of slavery. Bill, how could you make such a claim? That's crazy. Well, Galatians 5.1 makes it pretty clear. All right, Galatians 5.1, God tells us through the Apostle Paul, the same guy that wrote Ephesians, all right, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't return to slavery. Don't return to that yoke of bondage. Don't, re don't return to the, the rules and the regulations and the laws and all those things, your past that has held you down. In Jesus Christ, you have freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So God is like all about freedom. So why does he use the word slaves? Because God is speaking into the culture. Aren't you so glad that God meets us right where we're at? Right? I mean, I'm just so glad. And we see that happening in Ephesians chapter six. He's just speaking into the culture, not to overthrow it, but to redeem it, okay? To redeem it. Because we can follow Jesus on a broken planet, mm -hmm. right? We don't need perfect conditions to walk out our faith. 
do we? No. We can thrive as Christians in any situation at any time. For God is with me and God is for me. And by the way, where do lights shine the brightest? In dark places. Amen? All right. Okay, so we're going to keep that in mind. We're going to understand that God is going to help you and I to shine for Christ in the workplace. And he's going to use our minutes together to to help do that good work to completion in us. So God is speaking into the culture. He's speaking into a culture where many Roman citizens think of work as beneath them. They're like, I am way, I'm a Roman citizen, for goodness sakes. I don't work. All right, that's their attitude. It's pretty snobbish, all right? All of us would agree on that. But that is, I mean, that's just what it was like. They're like, work is beneath me. That's what I have slaves for. I'm not going to work. I'm a Roman citizen. Okay, he's speaking into a culture where slavery exists and it's normal. How normal is slavery back then? It's so normal that slavery is what employment looked like back then. Okay, most of the businesses were family businesses. So you either worked for your family business as a free person or you worked as a slave for somebody else's family business. That, that, it, was just, it was just commonplace. In Greco-Roman slavery, you have the master who is an authority and you have the slave who is in the position of submission, all right? The one who is the subordinate, okay? And that's why we're using that passage today. It's why we're going into Ephesians 6 today, because we see the same type of boss-employee structure. Are there major differences between the, 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 the Ephesians 6 slavery then and the modern employment system today? Yes, there's obviously major differences. However... There are many appropriate similarities, okay? So as we work our way through this scripture and these verses together, God's gonna help us to apply his truth to our lives. One interpretation, right? We're not, we're not skirting around the slavery thing. One interpretation, but many applications. And we're just gonna enjoy that. Like, God, help us apply this to our lives today. He's gonna show us some things. He's gonna show us some things. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's gonna show you something today. All right, now turn the other way and tell your other neighbor, God's going to show you something today. All right, good, good. Hey, but, but here's the question. The question remains. We said it a minute ago. We're going to say it again, right? How will we respond? Okay, that's a good question. Good question. All right, let's get into it. Ephesians chapter 6. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they're slave or free. Now, you might hear that, like verses five through eight. That sounds pretty good to some of us in here because... We're not employees, we're the boss, come on. Like this doesn't, I don't even need to pay attention. This is great. Well, not so fast because verse nine has something to say about that, all right? God says in verse nine, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So all that stuff we just read, all the stuff that we're about to dive into a little bit here, it applies to the bosses as well. So if you own your own business and you have employees, You should pay attention to this, okay? Not because I said so, who cares what I say, but because God is like, listen, this applies to you too. For sure, employees pay attention, right? 
even if you have some kind of business that, that you, 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 know, you have and, and you don't even have employees, maybe it's just, just you, okay? Watch this. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours, bosses, you have a master, or bosses, you have a boss too, both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So all of us have a boss or a master in heaven. That's God. And by the way, it's, it's, God is gonna evaluate. He's gonna judge us with no favoritism. All right? Now, now here on the planet Earth, those of us who are bosses, we get, we get treated a lot of times at least with, with a certain amount of respect because, you know, you're successful. You're a business person. You have your own business and maybe, maybe even have a bunch of money, all right? When you walk into a place, people are really nice to you because here's what they're thinking in the back of your, their mind. Ooh, they might give me some of their money. That would be great, okay? So they're really nice to you. Hey, sit here. Oh, can I get you anything to drink? I know you already have something, but don't you want something else? You know, and you just get this preferential treat. God's not like that, Okay? He's fair. God judges without favoritism. He shows no impartiality. Okay? It's, it's, it's different. So let's keep that in mind. All right? So verse number five. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. God is saying obey in every situation, employee. Obey every time. And the only exception, we don't see it here in Ephesians 6, but we see it elsewhere. The only situation where you have permission from God to not obey is if your boss is telling you to sin. Then you refuse. But that's it. In every other situation, you obey. You're being paid, same way that I am, you're being paid to do a job. So let's do it well. We obey, listen, just as you would obey Christ. That's, we obey just as we obey Christ. In this, in, in, we're accountable to our boss in the same way that we're accountable to Christ. See that consistency? See that continuity there? That's how it's supposed to work. And see how it comes back to Christ? It's not just a command of obey your boss, right? It comes back to Christ. It's like just as you would obey Christ. It's, it's anchored or tethered back to our faith, back to the gospel, the good news, right? we got to remember Christ. Now think about Jesus. Imagine if he asked you or if he told you, right? Like he just showed up miraculously because he, he, he's done this, right? We read, he does this. If he just showed up and he's like, I need you to, you know, and I don't know, if, wouldn't it be weird if Jesus had a higher voice? Anyways, okay, what if he's like, I need you to, and it's like, oh, I didn't expect that, but okay. Well, I hope you say yes. Whatever he's asking you, telling you to do, I hope, I hope you say yes. We're supposed to have that same attitude when it comes to our bosses, okay? So do your job, do your job well with sincerity, but also with integrity, okay? Verse six, obey them, your bosses, not only to win their favor when their eye is looking, right? When their eye is on you, not only when they're looking at you, right? But all the time, right? I think, I think this is just kind of wired into, um, in, in this fallen world, what it means to be human. When the boss shows up, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just working on an email here, you know? And, and I do that. Pastor guy shows up and he's like, how you doing, Bill? I'm like, oh man, I'm just, you know, working hard here. And whoo, oh, it's about time for a break. What's up? You know? So, I mean, we just, we just have to, and, and God's like, just listen, 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 work hard. Obey your bosses, right? With, in, with in sincerity, but also with integrity, not only when they're looking, Okay, but all the time, remember Christ. Remember that he is our boss. You see, you see it come back to Christ again, as if you were serving, uh, excuse me, as slaves of Christ. 
right? So obey your boss, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, comes back to who we are. Who do we belong to, right? It's, it's, it's that continuity comes back to Christ. So the common thread or the common thought is always Christ. How do I thrive at work? It's, let me think about Christ first, all right? Remember Christ. When I say remember Christ, you say and respond. Ready? Remember Christ. Remember Christ. All right, when I say remember Christ, you say and respond. Remember Christ. Remember Christ. When I say remember Christ, you say and respond. Remember Christ. Remember Christ. When I say remember Christ, you say and respond. Remember Christ. Remember Christ. Oh, that was fun. You guys did really good. That was, like, that was, that was awesome. Okay. When we respond by obeying Christ with sincerity, right? We, we respond to Christ with integrity. But also according to verse 7, we respond, when we remember Christ, we respond by serving, listen, wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord. Isn't that the exact words, right? Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord because we are serving the Lord. Huh. You might be thinking right now, listen, wait, Bill, you're the pastor, not me. <laughs> okay, listen, I, I don't know. You, you definitely serve God in your work, but I, I don't know about me because um, I don't work in the church like, like you do, Okay. When Christ came, he erased that line that exists in our minds between sacred and secular. I'll say it again. When Christ came, he erased that line that exists in our minds between sacred and secular. So it's not supposed to be like this. Listen, church is sacred, all right? That, that's, that's, God stuff happens at church. But as soon as we get in the car, I'm gonna lose my mind if somebody cuts me off. I am just, it's not supposed to be that. Or, or when we get home, if one of my kids steps out of line, I'm just gonna, ah, I'm just gonna have a meltdown. Listen, because church is sacred and everything else is, it's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be, hey, I've got my church friends or I've got my, my, my small group that I'm a part of. Uh, um, and then, but I've also got my drinking buddies. And you know, we, we just watch the game, we go out and, and honestly, we get a little, little blasted sometimes, but we've been doing that since high school. I mean, we're really good friends. It's not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be this separation. It's not supposed to be like, hey, I give a little bit of money on the church, uh, in, on the weekend when I'm at church, but I make my money however I want, and I spend my money on whatever I want, right? Because it's separate. It's not supposed to be like that. Christianity is about Christ. Listen, Jesus isn't two-faced or double-minded. Thank God that Jesus isn't a hypocrite like, like I am sometimes. I'm not pointing the finger at you, but you can agree if you want. I just thank God he's not like me in that regard. All right? Jesus served his boss, his master, the father. He served him with integrity, with sincerity, and with wholeness of heart. And he saved us, listen, not just so that we can go to heaven, but Jesus saves us by grace through faith. He saves us so that we might be like him and that we just might bring heaven down. There is no sacred, secular 
distinction. They're not separate. My whole life is meant to be a holy life. My whole life is meant to be set apart for him. All of it. If you're a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it's all sacred. Your whole life. From the moment my eyes wake up, it's all about Jesus. That's how it's supposed to be. How I think, the words I say, the things I do by God's grace, by the power of his Holy Spirit, may we do those by faith. I remember Christ and respond. Yes, yeah, what I do, right? And I need help. I need you to encourage me, all right? If you're honest, you need help and you, you need encouragement from others as well. But I follow Jesus on the job and I serve my boss when I'm at work because I serve the Lord. Because work is how we worship. Work is how we worship. Work is, is a gift from God at this present time. I can work and he's given it to me that I can worship him in that. It's not separate from him. It's not some punishment like going to time out, Bill. All right, you've been a bad, bad boy. Go over there, right, and work some more. It's, no, it's an opportunity. It's a gift from his grace. You might say, my job has nothing to do with God. All right, nothing at all. Listen, if you've received Jesus, then you've received his Holy Spirit. And by God's grace, receive this truth as well. All right, listen, your workplace is holy ground as soon as you and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you arrives on site. It's holy ground right there. As soon as you get there, whether you're a preacher or a school teacher, whether you're a physician or a beautician, whether you swing a hammer or you are, look at this huge thing, oh my goodness, a computer programmer, all right? Listen, if you are a bouncer or a counselor, how do you feel about that, okay? Whether you work in the brickyard or you serve in the National Guard, whether you're taking classes or you're a missionary in Damascus, whether you're an apprentice or a dentist, or if you're a writer, or even if you are an MMA fighter, okay? Yeah, yeah. Listen, your job has everything to do with God. Everything. Because you are the one doing it. You were made to thrive. You were made to worship God in and at your work because work is how we worship. But my boss doesn't see me. My boss doesn't appreciate me. And to be honest, the pay really isn't that good. I could probably get paid better somewhere else. Well, verse eight, check this out. You know that the Lord will reward each one for the good work they do, okay? God sees you. God appreciates you. And when you stand before him one day, as every Christian will, all right, he is going to reward you for the good things you've done. And, and just a, a little tidbit of encouragement, his pay is gonna be a little bit better than whatever you're getting now, okay? So we can, we can look forward to that day, all right? In the same way you trusted Jesus to save, trust him to see, appreciate, and reward you as he said he will. Remember Christ and respond, right? Uh, I cheated, got an opportunity there, right? Remember Christ. See, there we go. Remember Christ and respond in your work. Worship him or thrive at work. And if your work 
is causing you to sin or if your work involves causing other people to sin, then listen, it's time to quit. I know it's scary. I know you might have not wanted to hear that from me right now, but I just wanna encourage you, it's time to quit. Your thriving is on the line. Your ability to glorify God in your work and worship him in your work is on the line. He made you to worship through your work. That's on the line, it's time to quit. God will provide you another job. That's what he does, he's provider. He, he will, he'll take care of you. He will provide, but you can find some new employment, all right? God has made you and he has saved you to shine as a light for Jesus Christ, no matter where you are, but particularly at work. He's made you to shine for him at work and in your work and to thrive. Now, how specifically can you do that, right? Because we're taking a lot of truth in, but, but how can I respond? Let me help you. I'm gonna give you a few examples here. Let me help you kind of get those juices flowing. Here's one idea. I know a couple people that are doing this by name. I know other ones that are happening, but I don't know the exact stories. But, but maybe at your work, whether you're the boss or an employee, maybe at work, you can share the verse of the day, right, on one of the days. Maybe you can start a, a, a small group at your work or a prayer group or, or some kind of discussion on Scripture. Um, maybe on Tuesdays at lunchtime, hey, we're going to go through uh, verse of the day. And any, anyone in, right? Come on, yeah, who's for me, right? So, so maybe you get, I don't know if it would be that dramatic, but you get some people who might be interested in that, okay? Or maybe Thursdays after work, you know, hey, we're going to get together, we're going to pray for 20 minutes, not long, because um, people got to get on their way, get, get home and all of that, and get to the gym, all that. But how about 20 minutes we just pray together? That could be an idea. All right, here, here's another idea. Maybe your job, you could just make some, some slight changes, all right, I heard one story about a week ago of a guy who helps people to hunt, like, like hunt, you know, wild game and stuff, okay? And, and that's a pretty sweet job, by the way. But anyways, he helps people to hunt. And what he did is he, he made a small tweak to his job that already existed. And he said, I'm gonna help people who are paralyzed, who can't hunt. I'm gonna help them to do this hunting in a way that they never could before. And I'm gonna dedicate that to God. I'm gonna serve God in this way through my job that's already existing. I'm gonna thrive in my work in this way. I'm gonna follow God into deeper and fuller relationship. And that's what he's done. And I hear that he's thriving and he's really enjoying it. Here's what I did a few years back when I was a high school math teacher at Mesmer High School. All right, shout out, go bishops, okay? So I was there and, and man, after the first two years, I'm just struggling. And those of you who are teachers or have been teachers, you know how, how hard it can be sometimes, all right? I was just struggling. I was at the end of my rope, and I'm just, I'm, I'm like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just wasn't thriving, okay? So I asked God, I said, God, what, what do you want me to do here? All right, and then I asked another really similar question. What do my students need? Well, the first part of that answer is they need to learn math. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm definitely gonna keep doing that. That's why I'm getting paid. I'm gonna keep doing math, so I'm gonna work my tail off that they would learn these math skills and, and pass class and, and all of that, okay? But, but then God helped me to land here. They also need Jesus. Now, Mesmer High School is a Catholic high school, so I had some liberty and freedom to talk about God in, in ways that I wouldn't have if I taught somewhere else, right? So here's what I did. I, I, I took that freedom, and I said, I think I think I'm gonna make a change. At the beginning of every class, we just went through scripture, all right? Sometimes it was one verse, sometimes a little bit more than that. And then we just had a discussion and they asked questions and I did not have all the answers, okay? But I just said, okay, I don't, I don't know that one. I'll get back to you. That, and that was fine, right? But we, we kind of started off the class different. It, it changed the dynamics of the class. 
You know, it, it helped people to learn math better. I don't know how that exactly worked, but it was awesome. It was, just, it was just a better place. And I was thriving. I was worshiping God in my work. It was amazing. But make no mistake, in all those examples, and in any other examples, or anything that we might do as we respond to, to God, it's impossible to thrive without Jesus. We cannot thrive at work apart from Jesus. And we said a couple times that you were made and you were saved to shine for Christ. Now, no doubt each one of us was made by Jesus. But what about that second part, that saved part? You might be thinking, I don't know about that. I don't even know what you mean by that, Bill. Maybe that's the case. Tell me more. So, so what does it mean to be saved? Here's what it means biblically. Just like Acts 13 or 1631, right? It's believing in the good news. It's believing that Jesus Christ died for my sins. It's believing that three days later he rose for my justification, Romans chapter four. All right, now justification, that's a fancy word we don't use too often. What does that mean? It means that when we stand before God, we're gonna stand before him as justified. He's gonna look at us and say, oh, you have the righteousness of Christ. Imagine getting that, like the credited with the righteousness of Christ. Think of how good Jesus is. God looks at you and he sees that goodness of Jesus. Like that would be awesome. So the cute way that I say it, just to abbreviate that, is Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he rose for our life. If you believe that and you trust Jesus, right? Not in yourself, I can't save myself, but I trust in Jesus and what he did, then you are saved. Again, we see that exact language in Acts chapter 16. God has made you and God has made a way for you to be saved. And by remembering Christ and responding, right? We can thrive in our work. We can worship God at work. And that's a beautiful and glorious thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. God, help us to remember you at work. Help us to respond, God. Help us to worship you at work that we might thrive, Lord, and that you would be glorified. And for those who believe in you today and would like to receive you, Lord Jesus, and trust in you for the very first time, God, give them the grace in this very moment. Give them the grace of your courage, Lord, that they would step out in faith and trust you. God, give them also the courage as they step out in faith and trust you. Give them also the courage to raise their hand as we pray this prayer of salvation together. If you wanna receive Jesus, raise your hand. Let's pray this prayer together right now. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose three days later for my life. Jesus, I believe and I confess that I am a sinner and I need what you did on the cross and three days later, I need what you did for me and I'm trusting you to save me. I'm trusting you to make me new. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.